but it's fun when you're a kid. It's fun to be thinking about all the different things that you could do, and you don't think a lot about limitations when you're a kid. You, you kind of think of, well, if I want to do this, I think I can do this. Um, it gets a little more stressful maybe by like your senior year in high school, and you have to make some decisions that are really hard, or maybe you're getting towards the end of college and wondering, well, what comes next? I'm supposed to know now. Like I thought I knew when I was six, and now I'm supposed to actually know, and I have no idea what I want to do. Maybe you're an adult, and you're kind of thinking, well, I've been doing something for a while, but I still have no idea what it is I want to do when I grow up. We spend a lot of time thinking about work, and it's important. This is going to be a seven-week series on work and worship, and, and here's kind of why I think that this series is important. Because we believe that, uh, well, what the whole Bible says is true, but certainly one thing that I kind of come back to a lot in my life is, is in the book of Revelation, um, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, there, is, there is this verse that, that reminds me of where my life ought to be directed. And it's just a verse explaining what's going on in heaven and I think what should be going on in earth. Revelation 4.11 just says this, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. The thing that we believe as a church is that Jesus is worthy of worship. He is worthy because he is he is the greatest. He is worthy of honor, to receive honor and glory and power and worship at all times. We believe that he is so worthy of worship that it goes beyond him being worthy of you giving up an hour and a half to three hours on a Sunday morning, plus a little bit of time when you do devotions during the week and maybe a couple hours of service and ministry. That certainly he's worthy of that. But we believe that Jesus is so worthy of worship that he, that, that the gospel, the good news of who he is, ought to permeate everything we do all throughout the week. That he is worthy of our worship, not just on Sunday morning, but also on Monday morning. And we say that kind of thing all the time, but as we think about it practically, we need to think of the fact that, okay, as I go on Monday morning, uh, punch the clock at work, if that's what you do, or maybe you open up your laptop, or maybe you get on your phone, or maybe you make breakfast, or maybe you start laundry. Whatever it is that your work is, as you get that started, are we thinking, okay, now it's time to worship. That's what we usually think when we walk into this building. But as we begin our job, do we often think, now is the time to worship Jesus. I'm going to go and work in such a way that Jesus is magnified. And so that's what I want us to be thinking. The truth is, just doing some quick calculations, if you work from age 20 to age 65, 40 hours a week with two weeks of vacation, you would work in your lifetime over 90,000 hours. That's a lot of hours. And now, now there's some jobs, like if you're a stay-at-home mom or something like that, you're working like 18 hours a day, seven days a week, right? And, and so... Those, those, that number would go up, but we spend a lot of our life working. But I don't know how much 
if you're like probably a lot of Christians, I don't know how much we, we think of, how does my work, all that time I spend working, how does that relate to my worship of Jesus? And so what we're going to do over the next seven weeks is we're going to, we're going to still just, God's Word is our source for everything. So we're not going to be in one book. We're going to be in one or maybe two passages each week. And we're just going to go through that passage and, and look at what does this tell us about work. Thankfully, God's Word has a lot to say about work. We say that we want to be a church molded by God's Word, so we should be asking ourselves, how is God's Word molding the way I approach my work? Or is it? Or is work just something that we do? The question, maybe for, for some of you, is just, well, is work part of God's good creation? Did God create us to work? Or is work just some necessary evil? Something I have to do because I got bills to pay, and that's it. And how do we approach the work that God has given us to do? That's what we're going to be looking at over the next seven weeks. We're going to start um, at the very beginning, um, which I've heard is a very good place to start. So, Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be today, looking a little bit at Genesis 2, and then next week we'll be in Genesis 3. Um, so, go ahead and open, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read verses 27 to 31. Once you get there, it'll be on the screen behind me as well, but um, if you have a Bible, it is so good to have that in front of you. Um, I put the words on the screen because I don't want you to miss them. But it would be really good if you had them both on the screen and in your lap. Uh, so if you have a Bible, bring one with you every Sunday. And if you're able to, would you stand as we read God's Word this morning? Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And be seated. As usual, there is in your bulletin a, a guide that hopefully will, will help you as we walk through this sermon and then help you as you walk through the week, seeking to apply God's Word to your life. I did split it up this time um, a little bit differently, um, just kind of, well, not very different at all, actually, but, but kind of gave you ideas. If you wanted to take three different days, um, I just put a different heading on them. That's all I did. Uh, day one, you could spend some time looking at those scriptures and kind of answering those questions. Day two, day three. So just just a way for you to be sure that you're plugged into the Word. Maybe you have another plan that you're already doing, another devotional book that you're already using. But I want us to be a church that's plugged into the Word throughout the week. And so that's what that guide is put there for each week. But if you notice in your sermon outline, we're actually going to start, we're going to rewind a little bit and start with Genesis 1-1. The first point of the message today is this, God works. 
Okay? As we're looking to have a biblical perspective on our work, the first thing that we need to know is that there is, well, first of all, there is a God. Okay? Uh, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it starts out by saying, In the beginning, God. Okay? So, so there, was a, there was a point at which time began, but before that point even, there was God. Our God is eternal. Okay? He has always existed. And he's also independent. Well, I talked to you when we were praying a lot about dependence, but our God is not dependent on anything. We're dependent on many things. If we are going to live, we're dependent on oxygen. We're dependent on water, all those different things. Our God is independent. He does not need anything. Psalm 115, verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. He's not dependent on anything. He can do whatever he wants. Acts 17, 24 and 25 says it this way, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Okay, so, so our God, who is in the heavens and does whatever he pleases, who has eternally existed, didn't need to do anything, but he chose to do something. What did he choose to do? In the very first verse of the Bible, we see our God at work. He chose to create. Look at what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the rest of Genesis chapter 1 will lay out how our God started with only himself and nothingness, and he turned nothing into everything. It's really incredible. If you want to worship God this week, just read through Genesis 1 again and just worship him for who he is and what he has done. Our God who needed nothing decided to create and he created everything out of nothing. We have a God who worked. And so the rest of chapter 1 kind of takes us on a day-by-day -day account of what it was that God did. And then we get to the middle of the sixth day in the passage that I read just a little bit ago. Verse 27, in the middle of the sixth day, we see that God creates, we'll read it again, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So by day six, God is beginning to work on the pinnacle of his creation. One part of his creation that is going to be unique. We had a couple girls in there say they wanted to be vets. And, and if you're a vet, even if you're not a vet, you should be amazed at animals. They are amazing creatures, are they not? If you, you just get involved in really any kind of science and begin to study zoology, biology, chemistry, whatever... You ought to just be amazed at how stuff works. That we have a, a God who put all of this together. But there is something unique about what God does here in verse 27. As he creates humanity. He creates man in his own image. In the image of God. He cre they're created in his image or in his likeness. We're created in a unique and special way as humans, male and female. We're created to reflect or mirror God's glory to the rest of creation. 
That's part of God's call for us as he created us. We're in his image. And so God created many other things, beautiful wildlife, beautiful landscapes that we see, all created by the hand of our God and being held up and sustained by the hand of our great God. But there's something unique about us. He set us as humans apart from the rest of creation. He gave us a moral conscience, a conscience, an eternal soul. Okay, that, that makes us different than other living things. We have the ability to reason and feel and create and relate unlike any other created thing. So it's unique that God has made us in his image. That's what verse 27 tells us. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. One of the ways in which we reflect the image of our creator is just, just like we have a God who works, we have a God who made us in his image to be workers. Let's go ahead and look at verses 28 through 30. I, I read those earlier, but just looking at verse 28 again, it says this, and God blessed them. Okay, so God creates Adam and Eve. He blesses them, and God said to them, here's some commands. The first commands from God to humans are this, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. This is exactly what God had done. He had first made the earth, and he filled the earth. He's telling them, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Dominion, that's a, that's a word that, that points out a unique responsibility. God is giving Adam and Eve, whom he created, he's giving them a job. He's saying, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and I want you to have this unique responsibility of having dominion. I have all the rest of this creation, right? I've, I've made all these things out of nothing, but I want you to take all these things that I have made, and I want you to work with them, to have dominion. So that we've been given this responsibility over all the rest of God's creation as we, again, are people made in His image. He's a God who, who creates and maintains order, and so we, as people, seek to create and maintain order in all that He's created. So we see in verses 28, if you skip ahead to chapter 2, verse 15, go ahead and look maybe on the next page in your Bible. Genesis 2.15, this is again before the fall, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to... Work it and keep it. That God had created this magnificent garden for His glory. And He created humans, man and woman, in His image. And He took man and He put him in the garden and said, Work it. Keep it. Take care of it. He gave him a job. That it wasn't just paradise. A lot of people think the idea of paradise is like just sitting on a beach doing nothing and drinking iced tea, and that's it. That's not the picture that you get in the Garden of Eden. That as God creates the Garden of Eden and creates humankind, that he, he puts Adam in the garden with a responsibility to have dominion and to work it and keep it. So we're given, right from the beginning, work to do. It's part of God's original purpose. It's not 
is not something that comes about after the fall, after everything gets messed up. This is part of God's original purpose. It is that we would work. If someone were to ask you the question, if someone were to ask you, well, why do you work? How would you answer that? Why do you work? Maybe you'd say, because I love my job. Maybe you'd say, because, well, I guess somebody's got to do it. Maybe your answer would be, well, my work gives me meaning and purpose in my life. Maybe you'd say, well, I don't, I don't know what else to do, right? Or maybe you'd say, I, I got bills to pay. I got a family to feed. I got, I got, a, I got a loans to pay off. That's why I work. But at least part of our answer should come back to what was God's original intent for humanity. It is that we would work. And so part of our answer to why do you work should be because God made me to work. Part of why God made us. God made us to do work. And there's something in us that, that says that this is what we were created for. And that's why, why people who struggle maybe with unemployment or maybe disability or, or retirement or something that, that kind of puts you out of work either for a season or for a long, maybe a short season, maybe a long season, you struggle in that because there's something in us because God created us that way that we are supposed to work. That doesn't mean that everybody has to have a job or you go get a paycheck or anything like that. But God has created us to work. And so when we're not working, there's something that just doesn't feel right. Maybe it feels, I mean, maybe it feels really good for a period of time, right? Um, to, to not have responsibility. But over a long period of time, uh, we start to, to, to lose something if we don't work. Because God originally intended for us to be people that work. So, one more verse, verse 31. Verse 31 says this, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I love that part, those parts in Genesis, as you read through the account of God creating, that God steps back at the end of the day. He just evaluates his work, and he enjoys it. He looks at what he made. He just made himself a rhinoceros. And, and he thinks that was a good idea, right? So that he created stars. Just kind of a word, that's all it took. Um, but, but by the word of his mouth, he created these huge balls of gas that give off light and heat that are you know, whatever, however far. He created those things. And he steps back and he doesn't just like, oh, well, I'm glad I got that done. No, he steps back. He says, that's good. That's good. And here at the end of the sixth day, after creating man in his own image, he steps back and he even adds another word to that. And he says, it is very good. God seems to enjoy his work, doesn't he? It seems that God, God in assessing his work, says, that's good work enjoy this work that I'm doing of creating. I think there's maybe something that for that in us. I, have you enjoyed your work lately? Maybe that's, a, as we're going through this series, maybe that's exactly the thing that you're going to kind of hone in on. It's like, you know what? I'm doing my work. And I just, I'm just going through the motions. I really don't enjoy it. And maybe as we go through this and try to get a biblical perspective on work, maybe this will help with that. Helping you to once again Enjoy work. 
I love that God steps back from his work and just says, yeah, this is true. If our perspective on our work is the same as the perspective that all of our non-Christian co-workers have on work, we're going to misuse work. We're not going to enjoy it all that much. But I think if we have a biblical perspective on our work, whatever our work is, whatever God's calling for us is, one thing that, that we're going to see throughout this this series is that, that some people have this idea that, that, that some callings are more important than others, are more 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 um, worshipful than others, that, that maybe my calling to be a pastor is more important than your calling to be a, a stay-at-home mom or your calling to be a teacher or whatever it is, and that's just not the case. The Bible doesn't really lay it out that way, so we're going to see that as we go through. I want our work to be a part of our worship because we worship a Jesus who is worthy of our worship at all days, at all times. And we spend a lot of our lives working, so we need to have a biblical perspective on work. So I'm looking forward to this series. Um, where we're going to be next week, kind of the after Genesis 1 and 2, y'all's got to go to Genesis 3, right? So we're going to get to Genesis 3, and we're going to see how this, the, the fall of humanity, the sin and the rebellion of Adam and Eve affects work directly. And we still feel the effects of that day in and day out. So I might be saying here before you this morning, work is good. You're kind of thinking, no, it's not. <laughs> you haven't you haven't had my job, right? You don't know what you're talking about. We don't just have Genesis 1 and 2. We also have Genesis 3 that helps us understand work more completely. And so, so come back next week as we look at Genesis 3 and start to see how the fall, how sin affects work. Because work is not just good. Next week's message is called, Work is Hard. Work is hard. It doesn't work out the way we want. The other problem that we're going to see that we face with work in the coming weeks is that we're going to see that our, our responses to our work are often sinful. For some, we can idolize our work. We can over-identify with it. And it becomes our life. That's not what God intended. Nor did God intend kind of the opposite ditch on the other side of the road is we can overcorrect and just get lazy. Instead of idolizing work, we can become idle in our work. Right? We're going to talk about that one week, how we just either just get lazy and don't work at all or we kind of work in such a way that we're just kind of cutting corners here and there and just doing minimal effort to get the job done. Those are both sinful responses to work. We talk about a man's good work one week. We're going to talk on Mother's Day about a woman's good work. We're going to talk about what it means to be a missionary in your workplace. We're going to talk about what it means to do good work. Why is it important for Christians to work hard and to, to do good work? Shouldn't it be that those of us who follow Jesus are not the people that everybody else looks at at work and says, well, if you want it to get done, don't give it to them. We should be the people that people say, if you want something to get done and done well, then give it to them. They'll take care of it. I know they're a hard worker. That should be part of our witness in the world. We're going to talk about work a lot over the next. I've been spending already some time in preparing for this series, working through this. You know where this came from? It came from uh, hearing another pastor talking. He had been a pastor in his church for 25 years. And... Uh, and after 25 years, after 10 years in his church, he started to realize that what he said, because I realized that I've been, I'm supposed to equip the saints for works of ministry, right? That's what a pastor is supposed to be, according to Ephesians 4. 
And he said, I realized that I was spending the majority of my time equipping my people for what they would spend the minority of their time doing. I was equipping them thinking that in the back of my mind, works of ministry are the things that they do in the church. So I'm, I'm working to equip them to be better Sunday school teachers and to be good Awana leaders and to, you know, whatever else. I'm equipping them for that. And that is part of what we're equipping you for. But we're missing a great opportunity if we're not also equipping our church to be missionaries and to be, to be good workers. That's part of the work of ministry that you do. That's part of your worship of Jesus is what you spend the rest of your week doing. And so how can we as a church better equip you for that work that God has called you to? And so that's kind of my heart uh, behind, behind this. And I hope it's encouraging to you. I hope it's challenging. I hope it stretches you. Um, and, uh, and if you've got questions, maybe you're like, oh, okay, I've always had this question about work. Maybe, maybe I'll get to that in one of the messages. Go ahead and ask me that question. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully you are too. Um, we want our lives to be just taken over. We, we, those of us who are Christians acknowledge that Jesus is not just our Savior, but He's also our Lord. He's our Master. He's our Boss. He, he's over us in all ways in life. And so we want Him to just take our life and use it for whatever His purposes are, including our jobs. 